Hello everybody, welcome to your Blood Red podcast with myself, Andy Kelly, uh, and today I am joined by our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, yes he is here, James Pearce, you alright James? Afternoon Andy. And also joined by one of our uh, digital gurus, I like to give him like, the guru tag every now and again, it's Paul Gorsh, you alright <laughs> Well, I think the last time we uh, uh, had a blood red, I wasn't here, but the lads, uh, Doyley, uh, Jonesy, I think, and Piercy were reacting to last Saturday's sale of um, Felipe Coutinho to Barcelona. So it's been a week of uh, lots of stories, Piercy, lots of thoughts from supporters, um, lots of hopes about how they might look to to replace Coutinho. Uh, a few days on, how are you feeling about that, that whole business of Coutinho to Barcelona? Have you, have, have you changed your feelings on it? I know f- before Christmas, you know, your, your feeling was very much they'd be absolutely crazy to sell, <laughs> like most of us thought. Um, but it, it's happened. And do you buy sort of what we've heard from Klopp in his, in his press conference today and in his statement at the time about, the, about you know, the feeling that it, there was no other option? I, I completely see where Klopp's coming from, and I think he spoke really well at Melwood today. Um, and I think he backed up what you know what we've we've said and written so far this week in terms of the reasons for for sanctioning the deal. I think it, it was clear from you know he he used the phrase there was no other option, and there was no chance of using Coutinho during the second half of the season, which. You know, it just shows that he wasn't prepared to go through another, you know, month-long saga of effectively Coutinho not playing, um, and then not being fully committed in the second half of the season, and decided that the money that was on the table, coupled with that, all that hassle, meant that, that Liverpool had to do the deal. Um, personally, my opinion hasn't changed. I still think Liverpool should have dug their heels in and kept him into the summer. Um, I just think. I completely understand where Klopp's coming from, and of, of course he is much, you know, better versed in the in the situation and what it would have been like than I am. But I, I still think with the World Cup on the horizon, Coutinho would have had no choice but to knuckle down. And Liverpool got an, an, an unbelievable price for him, but it just doesn't sit right with me. Liverpool selling one of their best players at the midpoint of the season when they don't have a replacement lined up. Gorsley, how, how have you viewed the week as it's unfolded? As you have to say, I was uh, uh, had helpfully booked the week off last week, <laughs> and I uh, was in uh, uh, chilly Northern Ireland and, and uh, watching from sort of from afar. Um, I have to say, my opinion on everything sort of changed almost by the hour. At times, I was thinking, well, you know, if he doesn't want to be at our club, send him on. You know, we we want players yeah. at Anfield who want to play in a red shirt. Others, I was thinking, well, no, let's get serious. As James says, we, he's got a World Cup Coutinho. Klopp virtually said in in his press conference today, it seems to intimate that basically Coutinho would stop, would essentially have stopped playing almost. Yeah, which I I can't see that scenario. It just feels it's about to me. It's more about an atmosphere in a camp and that togetherness that Klopp really tries to foster and really buys into, doesn't he? How, how have you viewed it? Yeah, I think more than most coaches, Klopp is the, the type of manager who tries to foster that team spirit. You know, every chance he gets, he, he pops off on like these squad bonding trips to Tenerife or La Manga or, or Dubai, as we've just seen. So I think maybe that was part of his thinking when it came to Coutinho, but I couldn't see Coutinho being the type of player to, to down tools completely, especially with, obviously, the World Cup on, on the horizon. 
Um, I just think it's a shame because there's, there's no way of getting away from it that Bill have sold arguably their best player mid-season. Um, and however you slice that up, it, it's that that can never be viewed as positive. And you know, Klopp is is kind of stubborn and, and he'll wait to, to to identify the right person to to replace Coutinho. Um, so that might not happen this month. But um, I, I do do think it's a real shame. But uh, it's it, Klopp's obviously the one, the one who's been been driving it, and it's it's uh, ultimately come down to him who's at the final say. Yeah, I mean, I've said in the pod quite a lot this season that I really felt. Liverpool can do some damage in the Champions League this season. The draw for the group was kind to them. The draw for the last 16 round has been probably the team they would have picked out of the hat for themselves, albeit I think we all know Porto will be more difficult than we've thought. Um, And I have to say, my confidence in in that has ebbed significantly in the fact that we won't have Coutinho. um, And... James Gorsley brings up the issue of a replacement and that's what all supporters are are wondering at the moment and we know Klopp previous suggests that he, he will wait until he can get someone he wants to um, the closest one in terms of potentially arriving in in January seems to be Navigator being brought forward rather than any potential new Sign in. Um, is that is that how you you're seeing it at the moment? Yeah, I think um, I think we wrote yesterday, didn't we, that, um, that Liverpool had opened discussions with Leipzig with a view to to hopefully bringing Keita's move to to Anfield forward. It's certainly what Klopp wants. It's what the player himself wants. However, I think Liverpool are keen to be respectful towards Leipzig and you know they, they, despite the reports in Germany earlier on this week that you know, they would take 13 million um, that seemed to be kind of uh, carried as kind of chapter and verse that, it, that was Liverpool insisting that they, they, there has been no price put on how much Leipzig are willing to take to, to let them have Keiter early I think it's complicated by the structure of the deal Liverpool agreed with, with Leipzig uh, back in the end of August because under the terms of that deal, if Leipzig miss out on the Champions League this season, Liverpool only pay them about £57 million. Um, If Leipzig get in the top four in the Bundesliga and qualify for the Champions League, Liverpool pay them nearly £67 million. Um, so clearly Leipzig would, would rather Keita stays there and, and gets them in the Champions League and they get, they get a guaranteed £67 million off Liverpool. Um, so I, I, I still think it'll just be interesting whether Keita gets his own way you know, similar to the situation that Liverpool faced with Coutinho, you know, do, do they want to stand in his way, um, or will they bow to that pressure and and the promise of some extra money from Liverpool? Liverpool saying that they will pay whatever Klopp believes is an acceptable fee to get him uh, early. Um, Klopp wants him. You know, ideally, you'd get him now to bed him in in the second half of the season. However, there would, I'm sure, there would be a ceiling to. How far Liverpool are prepared to go because you know, he's not going to be here for this weekend. So then you're down to 15 Premier League games. You could find yourself in a situation where you know Leipzig, for argument's sake, want 15 million or something. So you're looking at an extra million a game. Now that seems very steep. If, if that's the extent of his involvement, of course he wouldn't be able to play in the Champions League. But you know I know people would argue that well, hang on a minute. If he's the difference between Liverpool getting in the top four and not getting in the top four, then that would be money well spent. Yeah, I mean, Gorsley, that was an argument I put out there on, on social media the other day, basically, you know, how much would you pay for Cater early, given, you know, that 
number of games James just mentioned, yeah. 15, plus a few in the FA Cup, uh, as opposed to getting them in early, getting them bedded in, and maybe being the difference between a fourth and a fifth spot, which gets you, you know, Champions League football, obviously. Um, do you think we need to have someone in in January to counterbalance Coutinho's exit, or do you think there's enough in the squad whereby, you know, we, we obviously added... Actually, Chamberlain yeah. in the summer, and we were wondering quite where he'd fit in. Obviously, there's a lot more room for him to fit in now. Um, you can you see the squad as it is, it, injuries permitting, being strong enough. In terms of goals, I think Mane, Salah, and Firmino can kind of you know compensate the loss of Coutinho. But you've seen it as early as, as the Everton game. I think that midfield just lacks a certain bit of creativity and guile. Obviously. Is, is trademark Coutinho, um, and I think the possibility of bringing Kaita forward six months, although it, it's obviously be beneficial to Liverpool. I think I don't think that should compensate for the loss of Coutinho. I think Liverpool needs to sort of look elsewhere and identify someone who's a bit of a in a similar mould. Kaita's more of a box-to-box midfielder, central midfielder. Uh, Coutinho's obviously played at the tip of the three in midfield this season, but he can also play wide left. Uh, something um, I don't think Kaita's ever done in his career. So. I don't particularly see that being a like-for-like replacement and I don't think it would sort of um, keep fans on side if, if that was to be the case and, and no one was to, uh, to to come in in place. Um, but, you know, I think a, a deal to bring Cater in would be great news for Liverpool. Um, you're talking about an extra £15 million and a million pound a game is a lot to pay, but uh, in the long run, it, it could be worth, you know, X amount of money for Champions League qualification. Yeah. James, I mean, my I think if you look at the number of players we've got, we probably have enough. Um, Jan Moby wrote in his echo column today. He felt that you know it's not a big concern. He feels that there's enough players to cope. My my fear would be if you get an injury to those three yeah. at the top of the pitch, that it suddenly looks a very different picture if mm-hmm. Mo Salah goes down injured or. Um, you know, Sadio Mane goes down injured, or Roberto Firmino goes down injured. You, you, you're then looking at, you know, you're starting to juggle then, aren't you? And, and it just doesn't look quite as as healthy as potentially you might look at it and think, actually, you know, Henderson will come back from injury soon. We hope uh, Lana. We've seen return. You're starting to get players who can, you know, give a different dimension, as Jan said in his <coughs> column. It yeah. will be a different Liverpool midfield, but it'll be one that has lacks the creativity perhaps of a Coutinho midfield but maybe we'll have more defensive strength and a better shape uh, than, than than a midfield that would have Coutinho in it Yeah, I think the, the big thing is Liverpool have lost a real bona fide match winner haven't they, that's the thing and, and I understand where Klopp's coming from in terms of he would look at it and say well I've got Lallana and Oxlade-Chamberlain who can now play in that advanced central role where Coutinho did most of his damage and you know, obviously it's brilliant to have Lallana back fit but I think we saw against Everton that he's still got some distance to go after so long without playing regularly to get back to his peak so I don't think you know it's unfair to expect too much from him too soon with Oxley Chamberlain as well I think he's made massive strides forward over the last five or six weeks but you know we, we haven't seen him single-handedly win a game and, and provide real inspiration you know he's, he's made a big contribution but I wouldn't say you know he, he gave an interview to the written press at Melwood yesterday and Came across absolutely brilliantly, you know. You, as well as being impressed by his talent, you couldn't help but be impressed by the way he handled himself and the way he coped with everything that was fired at him. You know, you can see why Klopp you know, wanted to bring him on board for his personality as well as his ability. But you know, he's still got a long way to go to reach 
Coutinho's level. And I think that's why it is a you know a gamble by Klopp because you know he he said at Melwood today I just hope if we get a free kick on the edge of the box with 10 minutes to go on Sunday no one in the crowd is thinking uh oh, where you know where's Phil everybody's but, thinking yeah, that. Well, that I mean that's <laughs> absolutely yeah, everybody exactly, yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. that's 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 going to be the issue now whether Klopp, Klopp might not like it but the fact of the matter is if Liverpool fail to break down a stubborn team that come and park the bus, people will say, oh, if only we had Coutinho. If Liverpool get knocked out of the Champions League in a tie that was tight and that just a little bit of magic here or there might have made the difference, people will say, you know, we could have got through that without Coutinho. And that's, you know, if Liverpool miss out on the top four by two, three points, people will say it was because you didn't get Coutinho. And I think not signing a replacement this month will kind of add to that that sense of of why didn't we why didn't we keep him until the summer because I think I think the, it would be different if if you, if there was a replacement that was all set to come in and Klopp was going this is the fella that's going to fill Phil's boots I think I, I agree with him that Liverpool have played some fantastic football and won games brilliantly at times this season without Coutinho but to, to think that you can go on from now till May and be the same force without him I, I think that is a big leap of faith of course the James alludes there to basically Klopp taking a big gamble. Isn't isn't that in a way what what we want from our manager in the sense that what he's clearly shown is that he backs himself here, doesn't he? He backs himself to the probably it would have been an easier decision for him to say no, you stick to your contract and, and play. And if and if Coutinho doesn't play quite as well, or you know. The phrase is Downs tools, but which I don't think any of us here think he would have done. But if he's not perhaps the player we hope for, for the, you know, there's an easy scapegoat there, which is Coutinho, rather than who's going to be the scapegoat now. <laughs> it's probably going to be Jurgen Klopp it is, yeah, um, yeah. for deciding that you know that he was going to prepare to let him go. I mean, it, you have to be a confident, almost arrogant manager that that says. No, that's that's what I'm going to do. It is, yeah, and he's probably talking from a position of strength because I think at, at this very moment, I, th- I think it's been a long time since Liverpool have been in as healthy a position as they are now. Um, okay, Manchester City are running away with the Premier League title, but Liverpool now have actually got a point more than they did when they finished second under Brendan Rodgers. I think 17 games unbeaten stretches back to I think it was 95 or six. I think Ian, Ian Doyle told me the other day. So I think at, at this point, Liverpool are as strong as they've been for a good few years. So I think Klopp is talking from a position of strength. And yeah, I suppose it, it, it would come across as, as very confident, bordering on arrogance to think that, you know, he, he thinks his team can carry on as they are without their most creative player. But that that's obviously the, the, the way Klopp is, and, and he's always been like that. So um, I don't think that that was ever going to change his particular outlook, um, especially the way things are going at the moment. James, rest of the month then. Fans obviously will be interested in ins and outs. We've seen a lot of young players go out on loan. Um, just Ryan Kent gone to down to uh, Bristol City today, hasn't he? Um, but of course, the thing that really excites them is ins. Um, with you here, they'll 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 be keen to listen to to hear whether you think beyond Cater, who we've discussed, whether there might be any ins. Klopp's word today was and we know he doesn't talk about transfer window at all in, in his press conference but 
basically said, I think his phrase was, "The eyes, our eyes will be open, <laughs> but we're not going to be doing anything crazy. And in a marketplace which seems to me to be all about crazy, uh, does that suggest that there is a chance that Liverpool will hold fire and, and take stock of the situation? Maybe that be more likely than to make a huge statement of here's all here's all our continue money and we're going to go and get somebody. Yeah, I, th- I think what we've seen from Klopp just underlines that the fact that he is just not the type of manager that will feel under pressure to go and spend that money just because Coutinho's gone and just because the money's there. Um, it you know it'll have to be the one that he wants. You know, we, you know how many times last summer did we talk about how it would be absolutely crazy to go into the season without another centre half and he did it you know he, he, he you know he, he refused to to bow to the weight of pressure then because he, he he was adamant that he would wait for van dijk same with Keita, you know everyone shouting out for an injection of energy and dynamism in the midfield he was prepared to wait a year for Keita. um and it will be it will be the same with this one I, I don't get the impression that that anything is close to being to being done at this stage um you know, he, he, I think he said in the press conference today as well that, kind of in the short term, we have to look for solutions internally. Um, so clearly, he thinks they can cope in the short term with, without Coutinho. Obviously, Thomas Lamar is a name that's been spoken about a lot this week. A player that Klopp likes, who Liverpool had talks with Monaco last summer, um, but as it stands at the moment, they haven't gone back in for him. Um, you know, initially it looked like he wasn't achievable this month. The, the, the noises out of Monaco seem to have changed over the course of the week, um, but you know, I, I still I still get the feeling that Klopp either isn't a hundred percent convinced on that one, or he's got someone else in mind. Because uh, you know the way that Monaco have been talking, I think if Liverpool was serious, they they desperately wanted Thomas Lamar, that they would be having that conversation now. And I'm not aware that that's that's going on. I think. I wonder whether the the price has has reached a level at which the club aren't aren't, aren't particularly thinking that it's that it would be the right one for them. I know last summer they they were thinking initially they might be able to get him for sixty five million. I think it was initially when the talk started. Now obviously the the fee went through the roof with Arsenal's late interest. I think they were talking then about ninety million. Um, and I don't get the feeling that Klopp ranks Lamar at that kind of level, even as we said in a in a crazy transfer market so yeah I think at the moment um, it doesn't look like anything anything is imminent Gusty the other side of the coin is possible departures uh, James wrote a story yesterday I'll come back to him on it but um, that Sturridge would be uh, who's back in training this week um, would be available to be sold for in the region of £30 million um, do you see that as I figure that someone will pay, and, and is it a deal that you think would be right for Liverpool to do at this stage, or is is there is there a fear that if something happened to Roberto Firmino, there's not very many centre forwards in the club, um, would 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 you think that maybe you need to keep him there as a, as a safety net? Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm not sure who'd be willing to pay thirty million for a striker who's you know he's, he's been injured, hasn't he? Now for like. Pretty much four years. I think it was September 2013, was it? 14 when he he basically started picking up this 
horrendous run of injuries that seem to never stop really though, though a lot of the season he has been fit and he just hasn't been selected yeah. um, you know, well, to be fair to him I know he has had a problem recently yeah. well, I think he missed was it seven, six or seven games there since December looking once at Moscow was the, uh, sorry Spartak Moscow was the last time he played and that was early December he hasn't played since um, but I think Liverpool even with that injury record would be foolish to let him go in, in January and not bring in Another striker. I don't think Dominic Solanke is, is up to the level of Roberto Firmino at this stage. So I think if Sturridge isn't there and there's an injury to Firmino, you've got Solanke trying to deputise and um, it, it just isn't the same quality of player. And if Liverpool have got serious ambitions of trying to finish second, um, then you know I think they need to keep Sturridge. Um, just I think it may be a matter of convenience if they don't sell him. And I think Sturridge gets fit. He's got one eye on the, the World Cup squad. He, he might have an outside shot of making that. Um, so I think it'd be beneficial to both parties for him to stay put and just just see out the season until the summer. James Solanke and Ings would, would be the two centre forwards left in the club. Obviously, people might be listening and going, "Yes, yeah, so, you know, Salah can play through the centre, ask him, ask him But I mean, obviously, they they do have been doing most of their effective work coming in from wide yeah. uh, wide areas. Two of the centre forwards, you're looking at Ings and, and Solanke. Um, do you think that? That is an okay situation to be in, assuming the worst, which would be an injury to, to Firmino. Um, in other words, do you think it's fair enough to be essentially putting Sturridge out there as available? Um, do you know what? I, I think I can see why Liverpool would listen to offers for Sturridge, because I just think I've, I've always felt that he's not... Klopp has never really fancied him. I think, I think that's been clear. From you know, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think that he is... What Klopp looks for, really, in a centre forward, I don't. I'm not sure he can, he can really deliver what Klopp wants, and I think I think that's why Solanke and Ings are probably ahead of him in the pecking order at the moment. I think even, even when they're all fit, because I think I think Solanke, I know Solanke got a bit of stick for his performance at Burnley, which I thought was unfair. You know, he's very raw, but you know he's a young player that Klopp believes in. And you know, I think all right, Solanke doesn't want to give you an amazing injection of quality. But he, he will absolutely run his socks off and put himself about and occupy defenders, and then that creates space and opportunities for your more, more gifted players like like Mane and, and Salah. I just I just think with Sturridge, Liverpool have reached the point where you know he's one of the highest wage earners at the club. He's he's not playing unless Firmino does get um, you know a significant injury, which Touchwood Firmino's fitness record is good. Um, I just don't see Sturridge having much of an, a, a contribution to make between now and May. And Klopp isn't looking to actively move Sturridge on. It, it's Sturridge has come to him and said, "I want to go because if I stay here, I'm not going to play in the World Cup." Um, now Liverpool have said to him, "Well, we will consider offers that come in for you," but I, I wouldn't say it's nailed on at all that Sturridge will leave this month because I think I think Sturridge is a really awkward player to try and put a price on. Because he, you know, if he, we've seen before the spells he has. You know, if he goes somewhere and stays fit, he could easily go and score eight, ten goals between now and May, and keep, you know, whether it's a Southampton or a West Ham, you know, keep someone like that in the Premier League, and people will scoff at thirty million. But if he does that, then he's paid that fee back already by keeping a club up. Um, you know, that that could look, you know, I'm sure Liverpool will probably take, you know, anything probably twenty or above in in, <coughs> in truth. You know, obviously, that you you know you always set the bar a bit higher than you probably think you're going to get. Um, you, su- you suspect any buying club would be keen to do a, a sort of paper 
yeah. paper play type yeah. of deal, wouldn't they? Yeah, and I think that was you know the way I understand it at the moment is that Liverpool won't consider a loan as it stands, but that position may change late on in the window because I think if say someone comes in and only offers ten million for him permanent, and there's no way Liverpool are going to take that. But they may well, in the absence of an acceptable permanent offer, they might say, well, if someone offers a £5 million loan fee, well, that is worth doing because then if he goes somewhere and plays and scores, then obviously his value rises and you get more for him in the summer. So, yeah, it, I think that's important. It's not a case of Liverpool looking to, to offload him. It's, this is very much an issue driven by the player and it's a player that's given Liverpool five years of service and Liverpool, you know, Klopp is respectful of his kind of World Cup dream and and if there's a suitable offer on the table, he'd, he'd be prepared to take it. It's a, it's a funny one with Sturridge though because him and Coutinho came in the same window and Sturridge was actually signed before Coutinho. Now, Coutinho's left with 201 appearances, Sturridge is on 133. Yeah. So what's that, 68 is it? So basically Coutinho's played nearly two seasons more than Sturridge and he came in the same window. Just just shows you how much football that he misses, doesn't it? Yeah, he does. I mean, I've I feel a bit sorry for him this season because I feel like the times when he's been available, Klopp hasn't wanted him, and then perhaps it's the same last season as well. To be it, fair, there it, was decent spells then when he was yeah not getting picked. Origi was getting picked ahead of him, and yeah, and now of course the reason that you don't get picked is probably because when you've had your chance, you haven't quite grasped it. I mean, there was his big moment this season was his. Was it against Huddersfield when he got the we did the little dink goal? Uh, yeah, that that was his. He, he started against Newcastle, didn't he? And uh, yeah, he, yeah, he, he missed really he missed a big chance that day yeah, as well, yeah, didn't yeah, he? He wasn't great. Then. And you know that that moment against Huddersfield, you know, it had his class written all over it, didn't he? But we just haven't seen enough of it really, and I think that's why um, you know Klopp hasn't perhaps even when he's been fit been really inclined to break up the, the, the players he's had at the top end of the pitch and obviously they're all mostly have uh, been in good form uh, you know Sadio Mane's maybe not been quite at his best has he but um, still scored a cracker at Burnley and a, a fantastic assist uh, the other day as yeah. well so um, well listen let's let's leave transfers for there I know probably people listening wouldn't don't want to they just would gladly um, talk about transfers all night but we've got a massive game on, on Sunday have to say it's one that it just jumps out at maybe potentially one of the games of the season. Gorsty is um, obviously unbeaten in the league. Manchester City, Guardiola brings his team to Anfield. Having beaten Liverpool 5 0 over there, um, Klopp thinks that said today that he thought that result perhaps was the thing that really sort of made City yeah. season and give them belief that they were you know, very good for all that it was against 10 men. Um, how are you viewing Sunday? How are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I really am actually. Um, I think it'll be a really interesting game. I think if City are, are going to, to lose at, at some stage this, this season, I think it, it could be Sunday. Um, I don't think they will. I think it'll be one of those frenetic, crazy games and it could be a, a two-all draw. But uh, I th- think it'll be a really exciting one for, for the neutral um, it's just going to be, you know, the, the two best attacking teams in the country going, going against each other, and, and we'll see what happens. But I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, James, the, the God said that it has the potential to be an attack fest, hasn't it? <laughs> um, the the five nil game obviously has generally been put down to the, the you know for twenty five minutes it was a good game, albeit that should be remember City were one nil up when we got went down to ten men. Um, 
But I was massively disappointed that day by Liverpool's reaction to playing against 11 when they had 10. It's, it's not always a, a done deal that you should massively... Um, you know, concede another four goals. You know, it can be difficult playing with an extra man. City made it look easy, and um, for all that, the the score was rather embellished late on, wasn't it? It it felt to me a little bit like Liverpool had a slight inferiority complex against them at at, at that stage in the second half. They didn't really get in amongst them at all, um, which makes me worry a little bit going into Sunday. Um, Klopp seems to suggest that his team has sort of. Arrived since then yeah. today, didn't he? And that that the, we're we're a much better team. There's also also been obviously an addition in terms of Van Dijk coming in, who no doubt will definitely play on Sunday, only I would think. And yeah, um, you where you see in the two teams. I mean, City have the potential to go through this league unbeaten. They they have only got 16 games left. Several of them games will be against absolute. You know, teams that they will score several past at the yeah. Etihad. So the number of games they actually have to really win uh, to to potentially go unbeaten is probably maybe down to about you know five or six now maybe. And this will be the first of them. This is a game that they know they can lose, and that that for me is why I think they'll be bang up for it because I think they're really really keen on going through the season unbeaten. For all Guardiola doesn't yeah. really want to talk about it and. Um, uh, you know, I know they played the they had a League Cup game since we've played um, against Bristol City. He made a good few changes, albeit there were people like De Bruyne and that were were, were yeah, on and quite, you know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, where do you think the two teams are at at the moment? Apart from you know, clearly massively top of the league and us. Yeah, I, I think it'll be really close. I don't, I don't think there's any reason why Liverpool should should be kind of awestruck or fearful of, of Man City despite the amazing season they're having I think um, you know, I haven't been actually that impressed by City in recent weeks it feels like you know they have dropped off a bit you know, they, I know he made changes in midweek but I think Bristol City showed that you know, when you are actually positive and get at City you, you can actually have some joy I don't think I think the issue comes when a team tries to just shut up shop against City and it becomes just attack against defence and you know, you you're kind of swimming against the tide in that respect, and but the centre backs are potentially where they're weaker, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we even saw that in the opening half an hour of the game at the Etihad back in September, when you know Liverpool are a much better team now than they were then. You know, the, Liverpool's problem that day was they were just far too open defensively, but City weren't really any better defensively in that first half an hour. You think of the chance. Remember, Salah missed a, a really good chance, didn't he? Um, you, know, you can you, know, you look at Mangala and the mistake that he made in the build-up to Bristol City's penalty the other night, and yeah, I, I just think I think this is a good game for Liverpool. Um, you know, it will it will be open, it will be entertaining. I think can't see either team keeping a clean sheet. I think Van Dijk will certainly give Liverpool a boost defensively. I think I think the players will feel like they've got a point to prove post Coutinho. Um, you know, they'll they'll feel as if they need to to show that. You know that there isn't a Coutinho-sized void that's been been left by that that deal that everyone's been talking about all week, and the huge incentive to be the first team to beat Man City in the Premier League this season. So, and I think you add to that, you know, City haven't won at Anfield, have they, for 15 years? They've got a terrible record at yeah, Anfield, yeah. haven't they? And you, and you think back to recent years when, all right, City they weren't the force that they probably you know, they are now, but you know, they, Liverpool have made a habit of turning them over. You know, you think back to last season. 
and you know New Year's Eve it was then when when Adams had to settle the game. You think back to you know 2013-14, the title challenging season when Coutinho scored that wonderful winner, and it felt then like that was that was you know, Liverpool almost had half a hand on the the Premier League trophy at that point. So I think there's a lot of things in Liverpool's favour going into this, and it's it feels to me like it's a bigger game for Liverpool than it is for City really because. City are in such a you know what is it fifteen points clear? It's just ridiculous. You know they can afford to lose two or three, and it really won't you know don't even have any impact really on the title race. But this is a this is this <coughs> this is massive for Liverpool because I just think after after everything that's gone on since that derby win over Everton, you know they're going into it seventeen games unbeaten. They need a big statement post Coutinho, and and hopefully we'll see it. Because see, I, I've got a vibe that this might almost be. More important as making a statement about next season, almost in that feels like City have gone for for this year. You know, yeah. everything would suggest they have. No one else appears quite able to. Even if you thought City might potentially lose five games, you don't see anyone else being able to win all of theirs. Really, um, I, I think there's quite there's quite a feeling among the Liverpool supporters that they'd like to be the team that that yeah. inflicts that first defeat on, on City and stops them going on beating, as well as, as I say, potentially suggesting we're the side that you're going to have to watch out for next year. Because I, I think there's, at the moment there's very definitely a, a vibe that potentially City could create. Um, Dynasty is the wrong word, but a sort of a side that has the potential to dominate for, for a few years. Yeah, um, yeah well, I think at this stage, normally... The amount of points Liverpool have got would be enough to suggest that they're in the, the hunt for the title um, in January. Now it just happens to be the case that City have produced, you know, an unbelievable season so far, and and they're, they're running away with it, aren't they? But um, yeah, I, I think there's there is certainly um, scope for Liverpool to, to put down a bit of a marker and, and just let City know that you know they'll be there again next season, um, and, and Liverpool are in the hunt to, to basically finish as the best of the rest. Um, and I think it's all set up for a really good game. I think for all the stick Liverpool have got defensively, I think obviously Van Dijk will come in for his Premier League debut and he'll go into a defence which is surprisingly kept nine clean sheets, I think, in 13 home games. Four goals um, conceded. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, only. there you go. So I think the Inger is, is finally balanced. Um, I think City kind of benefited an awful lot this season from late goals. So, so that, you know, they'll be playing right until the, 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 uh, the full-time whistle. So... I think uh, it will be an interesting one, yeah. Well, let's pick our team then. Um, front three will stay the same. But no arguments there. Mane, Salah. Yeah, yeah obviously Salah fit again, isn't minute. he? Yeah. He's a couple of games off, and he with that growing problem. But, yeah, Klopp said today that he's at East Train normally all week, so you'd imagine, yeah, obviously no longer the Fab Four, but uh, yeah. he's, he's got the... I've, I've given it the Crucial <laughs> Three. The Crucial Three. <laughs> crucial Three. Could be quite my time. <laughs> um... Back four, I mean, Van Dijk and Matip look like a decent partnership. Yeah. Gomez, you'd yeah. think, stay right back and Robertson left back. I have to say, I wasn't here to talk about the derby, but I really did love Robertson's performance in the in the FA Cup derby game, particularly defensively, actually. That that, that header he, he yeah. cleared, yeah. I just yeah. thought was brilliant and coped well with, with Balassi. And, um, you know, for all that he needs to slightly improve his final delivery and what he does with it when he gets there I thought he was superb but uh, um, the midfield's where the question marks are yeah. aren't they so I mean I can't see him not playing Emre Chan really but I mean my, my three would be probably Chan Wijnaldum and Oxlade-Chamberlain for his pace and 
and, and legs and, yeah. and you know, the, the other options would be Milner and Lalana, but I thought Lalana looked a bit short against yeah, Everton, yeah, didn't I, he? I wouldn't start Lalana for performance out in, in such an important game. I think Klopp can look at it with, you know, everyone's fully rested after, after a nine-day break in between games and obviously they've, they've had a bit of a trip to Dubai. So I think he can look across the squad and see, you know, a, a fully freshed and re-energised squad. So he's, he's picking everyone at 100%, you'd hope. Um, so I think the, the midfield is the, the conundrum, isn't it? Uh, but I think I'm in agreement with you. I've got Emre Chan, Genie Wijnaldum, and I would put Oxley Chamberlain in there. Happy with that, James? Yeah, I think I think that's the obvious three. Um, yeah, I don't think Lallana did enough against Everton to to justify starting in this game, especially just how you know how intense and how, how quick the tempo is going to be. Um, yeah, that would be my midfield three. Well. Um... That's almost us for uh, this uh, podcast, but I do want to end by um, paying our tribute to the late, great Tommy Lawrence, um, Liverpool goalkeeper extraordinaire, known as the Flying Pig, um, a goalkeeper in the in the great Shankly teams of the, of the 60s, James. Both you and I have been lucky enough to be at events uh, with Tommy uh, on his table now and again, and just as well as a fantastic goalkeeper and, and a member of a team that sort of set the the standard really for Liverpool to go on and dominate the 70s and 80s Tommy you know he was just a fantastic person wasn't he and a, and a real joy to be around talking about football yeah he was yeah yeah you're right I had the honour of being at various former players dinners with him over the years and did like a legends Q&A with him and some of his uh, teammates from that great Shankly team a couple of years ago and yeah, just a very humble, down-to-earth guy um, who had many great stories of, of playing in such an important part in Liverpool's history and, yeah, desperately sad. I think I spoke to Roy Evans uh, when I was gathering tributes for him that, to, to Tommy this week and you know, he, he kind of described him as a like a trailblazer, really, in terms of you know, the first sweeper-keeper, what he was asked to do, you know, the just how much the fans loved him, you know, hence the, the, the nickname that they gave him. Um, just he said he was hugely popular in the dressing room and had remained hugely popular with all his ex-teammates whenever they'd met up over the years. And you know, it was a similar story when I spoke to Ian Callaghan as well, talking about his teammates. So um, I know Tommy had been, been ill for a little while, um, but uh, yeah, still you know, desperately sad. But you know, he'll, he'll be forever remembered as a, as a true Anfield legend because... You know, he played nearly 400 games for the club, served them for for a decade, and uh, he was he was a very special talent as well as being a, a fantastic uh, fella. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's sad to lose a, a genuine Liverpool great this uh, this week. I'm sure all of you have seen the fantastic video of uh, Stuart Flinders running into him in uh, in Liverpool City Centre by accident. The BBC reporter and that probably summed Tommy up as well as anything. Not a not a sense of any uh, any uh, sort of uh, ego about him at all. That Flinders had no idea who he was. Just uh, <laughs> had still a gleam in his eye to be able to talk about uh, a talk about a, a, an FA Cup tie that he was gathering information about. So um, Tommy Lawrence, R.I.P. an absolute Liverpool legend. Uh, we'll leave it there for today. We'll be back next week on Monday to talk um, through the Man City result and hopefully. The end of their unbeaten run and a fantastic result for Liverpool. Fingers crossed. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thanks for listening. Cheerio.